Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. Listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. And with that, we welcome you inside Studio 34. This is the BFFs. That is Frank Stanfield. I am Greg Sussman. Thrilled to be with you here on a Tuesday, a Trade Tuesday, as you've dubbed it, Frank. Today on the program, giving you a couple of names that you want to buy, that you want to sell. Get those trade offers out there as we get into July and make your playoff push. Frankie, what's going on, man? Hey, what's happening, man? Happy Tuesday. How'd you sleep last night? I slept pretty well, bud. That's, that's good to hear. Is it because the, the Yankees played as well as they did? I think it might have been. Pretty good. I think it might have been. Pretty good game to watch there, huh? It was great. It was, it was perfect. I watched, uh, I watched from beginning to end. Then I, uh, I watched this HBO program called Euphoria, starring Zendaya. You've lost not, me not, I haven't said any words that made sense to you, all right? <laughs> um, uh, yeah, it was great. Uh, so watch the Yankees. That was really fun. Uh, watch, uh, watch that show. Went to bed. Feel good. That's good to hear, Greg. How about you, man? How'd you sleep? You're a little, you're a little stressed out before the show, too, Greg. I'm, I'll have you know this is, this is your happy place, Greg. This is your happy place. Okay. We're going to turn that frown upside down. I'm frowning? Well, no. Not right now, you're not. But no one else gets to see you before the show except me, so. <laughs> We're going to turn this around, Greg. We're going to turn your Tuesday around. All right. Fantastic. There's a lot of action last night. Although it wasn't a full slate, there was still, like, a ton of things going on. Okay, so we should get into what happened then. Yes, absolutely. Can we start in New York, though? Yeah. Let's do it. It was a Tanaka Tuesday. Well, it's today. It was a recap. But it was a Tanaka Monday as, for the third consecutive year, he pitched a complete game shutout against a member of the AL East. A couple of years ago, it was Boston. Last year, Tampa Bay. And last night, it was once again against the Rays. Two hits he allowed. Um, he missed a couple of spots. The Rays did not make him pay. But Tanaka pitches a complete game shutout against Tampa Bay. Yankees had all their runs score on home runs last night as Cameron Mabin and DJ LeMayhew go deep. Yankees win this one 3 to nothing in the Bronx. Yeah, it was just a masterful for for performance by Masahiro Tanaka yesterday, Greggy. Complete game, shutout, nine hit, nine innings, two hits, zero earned runs, one walk, 10 strikeouts, 23 swinging strikes. He was your swinging strike leader from last night. I guess a pretty good Tampa Bay Rays lineup as well. I know Austin Meadows has been slumping a little bit recently, but Tanaka was great. And I think this is, 
this is the usual for Tanaka, right? So if his secondary stuff is on, if his slider is on, if his splitter is on, he's going to be really good. But he's not like these other ace starting pitchers where, you know, you'll see nights where Justin Verlander doesn't have his best stuff. Chris Sale doesn't have his best stuff. We need another call from Russia. This is very strange. Is it, is it politics related, Greg? I hope not. You are a big political buff. I, I don't like that Russia keeps calling me. <laughs> I don't like this at all. Next thing you know, uh, Greg Sussman will no longer be here on the BFFs. He'll be detained like somewhere that. in Russia. Continue. I apologize. <laughs> it's all right. It's all right. But uh, unlike other aces, right, Tanaka isn't necessarily an ace. If his stuff is off, you can tell from early on in starts. He's, he doesn't have the wherewithal to get through a start where if the stuff isn't going right, pitching in Yankee Stadium, he's going to give up a few home runs. He's going to get hit around a little bit here. He's not like Verlander and Sale and Garrett Cole in that regard. But when this stuff is on, he can be as good as anybody in the game. And we saw that last night. He threw a season-high 44 sliders. The slider looked real tight, nice. The splitter, 30 splitters, that was tied for a season-high. Again, 23 swinging strikes. That was a season-high for him as well. Uh, 14 swinging strikes alone on that slider. So when everything's going right for Tanaka, you can get starts like this. You know what his upside can be. But there are also going to be some of those clunkers where if he just doesn't have it that day, if he doesn't have the bite on that splitter, if he's leaving things in the middle of the zone, he's going to give up home runs. So you take the good with the bad, and by the end of the season, you're probably going to get somewhere in a 3.5 to 3.7 ERA from Tanaka. Really good whip, doesn't walk a lot of guys. I think that's perfectly fine. You get him as your SP3, SP4. Pretty much does the same thing every year, Greg. Yeah, I, I think like it, it hasn't all been great because that splitter has not worked this year as much as you want it to. But it, especially in a Roto League, when you get the numbers at the end of the year and that's what you're looking for in, in a rotisserie league, when it spits out, it's going to be the same. I, I don't think there's ever a high ceiling. I don't really think there's a low floor. Tanaka is what he is, and I think that's okay, and I think we should accept that. Not expect any more, anything more, anything anything grander. So, I think you look at Tanaka's numbers, and we're talking about it on a trade Tuesday, like you want to trade for Tanaka, you kind of know what you're getting, and I think you're okay with that. Yeah, he's at a 3.23 ERA, but all the underlying numbers, 3.83 X. And, that, and that's right. 4.03 Sierra. You're looking at a guy with a 3.8 to 4 ERA, and I think it's okay. Is that what you would expect? Yes. He was 3.75 last year. I said 3.8. Yeah, he had the 4.74 in 2017, which seems like the clear outlier. If you Agreed. look at his seasonal log, that seems to be like a clear outlier. Honestly, if he gave me a 3.75 ERA, I think I would be a little bit disappointed, Greg. I think I would want better than that. Really? Because, yeah. I mean, you, you just, you, you read, keep going, like, over the last two years, 4 and change, 3.75. Yeah, and this year he's at 3.23. Sure, but the underlying number says he's going to be much closer to what he always is, at 3.75. Yeah, but I mean, for his career, he's 3.56. Yeah, but that was years ago now. <laughs> Seriously, like, it was a no, long time I, ago. I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. So, to me, like, I wouldn't be super disappointed. If, I mean, especially now with the juice ball, like, everybody's ERA is up. It's true. My, my buddy yesterday was saying that uh, a four, a three and a half ERA is really a two and a half ERA now. And a four and a half is really like a three and a half. That's not completely wrong. It, it, maybe it's not exactly like <laughs> that. But, like, if you gave me that 3.75 ERA for Masahiro Tanaka this year... I'm totally fine with it. I really am. Yeah, again, is your SP3, maybe your SP4 in some yeah. spots, too? He's not your SP2 anywhere, most likely. No, no. Unless, he, my, shouldn't, he shouldn't be. Look at my pit list. Unless something uh, went drastically wrong. Let me wrong. see here. I, got, I know I have Verlander. He, he's my one. Yeah, he's my three. Corbin's my two. Okay. Corbin hasn't been great recently, either. No, he, he has struggled. It probably makes you feel good, doesn't it? <laughs> ah, the old pat on the back, Greggy. 
Let's stay in New York. Let's go to the other uh, New York team. And that was Zach Wheeler and the match against the Braves. As Zach Wheeler continues to struggle, he went six innings, allowed 10 hits, five runs, four of which were earned, uh, only struck out four. He has two walks. He was not good yet again, Frank, last night. Long ball chased him. I know the Braves are super hot right now. But Zach Wheeler, again, let fantasy owners down. Yeah, and I put out a poll before the show, Greg, regarding Zach Wheeler. I wanted to get what people's thoughts were on him moving forward. I think he sucks. You think he sucks? Yeah. Got a five ERA. <laughs> like he's, he's, well, you know, the surface stats right now, you're not wrong. It's June 18th. He has one more start in June. His ERA is five. Yeah, and we were texting with Florio about this, and of course... No matter what, Florio, Florio is yeah. Mr. Optimism Correct. when it comes to Zach Wheeler. And I will say this, Greg. There are a lot of underlying numbers that say he should be better than he is. But I'm, I'm closer to where you're at now, Greg, because... At some point, I mean, we're 15 starts into the season. We can't just keep saying that Zach Wheeler is going to get better and just sweep under the rug the fact that he has a 4.94 ERA, that he has a 1.33 whip. Now, he is capable of going on a crazy run. We saw that last year in the second half, you know, final 11-12 starts of the season. He was otherworldly. He has that upside, and that's why I'm telling people, don't sell, don't sell him low. Don't drop him because we know what kind of run Zach Wheeler can go on. And there are a lot of underlying numbers that say that he's been unlucky. Greg, the swinging strike rate is up this year. His strikeouts are up. His walks are slightly down. He has a 65% strand rate, 73% for his career, and league average this year is 74%. So his strand rate hasn't been great. He hasn't had good defense behind him. He is giving up more home runs. That's completely his fault. But he's got a 3.92 XFIP, a 3.84 Oh, I'm glad we play in an XFIP league now. No, I mean, that's, that's why I, say, I, I led this off saying I'm closer to you. I know. I mean, like, if we're going to say this about John Gray, then I'm going to hold Zach Wheeler Correct. accountable as well. But I'm here to tell you, Greg, that if you want to bench him for a couple of weeks, that's fine. I'm not dropping him because we saw what his upside could be. He can go on a crazy run. We saw it in the second half last year. And I do wonder, though, if he's going to get traded, right? The Mets are quickly falling out of this thing. What are they, eight and a half back now, something along those lines, right? Is that the number? I don't know if it's eight and a half, but yes, they are slipping. In the, in the NL East, they sit eight and a half back. I don't know what they are of the wild card. Uh, I will look at that right now. In the wild card chase, they are five and a half back. So they're quickly slipping. Not here. great, Bob. Their bullpen, their bullpen is brutal. And you look at Zach Wheeler, a free agent to be, that is a prime piece, especially in this market where the top starters, we talk about them a lot with the Yankees, Madison Bumgarner, Marcus Stroman, no names that really are like, oh yeah, I really want that guy. Trevor Bauer, meh. Right, but only Bumgarner is a free agent to be. Wheeler's a free agent to be, and I don't know that the Mets, given their constant financial restraints, or constraints rather, are going to re-sign this guy. And if they're not, they should trade him away. Now, Will he be in a better ballpark than the city field? I don't know. Probably not, realistically. If he gets yeah. traded to, like... If he ended up on the Yankees, that, that would not be a good scenario Correct. Either. And the Mets and Yankees have their own trade problems. But, like, if he goes to Houston, that's probably not very good. I mean, they'll pro- Houston will figure him out, right? Ah, uh, yeah. I appreciate that. <laughs> or, like, if Tampa traded for him, that would be great. Like, Tampa would be, the, like, the organization like, that would figure him out. So, too. basically, we want to go to Tampa or Houston. Sounds great. Uh, yeah, that'll, 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 that'll work, yeah. <laughs> That'll work, yeah. yeah. But the Yankees, you know, you put them in a band box like Yankee Stadium and the fact that they don't really have a great defense behind them. Yes, they have Didi, they have LeMayhew, but Luke Voigt still question marks at first base. Stanton and Judge. Judge an all right fielder, but Stanton playing every day in left field. 
So I have question marks about the Yankees' defense and the fact that it's a smaller ballpark. So if Wheeler ends up there, I do have my concerns. But I can't fault people for being angry. Greg, I can't fault you for being angry. I myself am angry as well because I have multiple shares of Zach Wheeler. And what's interesting about him, we talked about Tanaka a second ago. Zach Wheeler, like, you did pay up as an SP2 for him. Like, you needed him. took him in the fourth round of my main event draft. You need him. I mean, I know you're in first, but, like, you, you need him to come through. And he's crushing I have him you. in another uh, head-to-head points league, one of my home leagues, keeper league. It's crushing. I mean, you were all in on Zach Wheeler this year. Yeah. Florida was all in on Zach Wheeler this year. Zach Wheeler was this year's Blake Snell. It has not worked out. And I'm not going to try and paint a picture that, you know, everyone should be excited about Zach Wheeler. Uh, and according to the poll I put out, um, the four options I gave people were, how do you feel about Zach Wheeler rest of season? Stud. He will 100% get better. He should be better, but I don't know. Angry, losing patience, 21% say they're dropping him. That was the final option. 50%, which is the leader right now. He should be better, but I don't know. And that's what I voted for, and that's exactly how I feel about him, too. Can't really make excuses for him anymore. You want to keep him on your bench? Perfectly fine with that. I can't drop Zach Wheeler. Would you trade for Zach Wheeler? It's Trade Tuesday. Would you trade for Zach Wheeler? Or would you trade away Zach Wheeler? I would not sell him low. If I can get him for 60 cents on a dollar. Meaning, Meaning what? Well, I have a trade target later on in the show that, I, uh, that I'll tell you about that I want to sell. I want to sell high right now, well, which just, is a pitcher. Would you mind right, so, doing that now? Little, yeah, I think it just flows in the conversation yeah. better. So, uh, it's Zach Eflin. It's Zach Lef- Eflin of the Philadelphia Phillies. He's got a 2.81 ERA. He's got a 1.15 whip. And, you know, some people might be uh, screaming at their computer right now and saying, well, what are you talking about? Zach, uh, Zach Eflin's actually performing and Zach Wheeler isn't. But all the signs point to... Zach Eflin, regression is coming for him, and Zach Wheeler should be better. So this is a classic example of a sell-high and buy-low scenario. I just don't really buy in on Zach Eflin because he's got an 84% strand rate. I spoke about the the league averages around 74%, so he's way over that. He's got a 4.69 XFIP. His swinging strike rate is down this year, well below league average. He's got a 9% swinging strike rate. And I pointed out that if I could trade him right now for someone like Brandon Woodruff, who has awesome strikeout ability. The swinging strikes are up this year for Brandon Woodruff. All the underlying numbers are awesome for Brandon Woodruff as well. He struggled a little bit in the month of June. If I could turn Zach Eflin into Woodruff, Wheeler, or even a Matt Boyd who has struggled in the month of June, those are all three candidates that I would look into actually making that move. Ah, so you, you're not only you want your team to trade, your Yankees to trade for Matt Boyd, but you also are interested in trading for Matt Absolutely. Boyd. Absolutely. There you go. I, I get behind that. Yeah, I, I was looking at Zach Eflin as a Zach, Zach Eflin owner, and I think it was late last week I was I considered trading him in a league, and we went through the numbers, and I think both of us were like, oh, some of these underlying numbers aren't so good here with Zach Eflin, and that's where we really noticed. And I also, in that same league, own Zach Wheeler, and I'm in really uh, a tough spot, and I got to want to make my pitching better. And maybe like Brandon Woodruff's that guy. I don't love it in the second half as much as you do potentially um, in Milwaukee. Like that really scares me. But Matthew Boyd is probably the name that it most excites me. Um, maybe because it's, he's the one that's performed the best thus far this season. Yeah. So I feel most comfortable with him. But out of the guys that you have listed here, I'm most interested in Matthew Boyd. Yeah, I would fully admit this is you know a deeper dive looking at the underlying numbers and seeing that Zach Eflin is likely going to regress, and some of those other names that I mentioned should be pitching better than they are right now. And I don't want to take anything away from Eflin. I know that's what it's going to sound like. 2.81 ERA, 1.15 whip. He's been awesome. If you want to keep him on your team because he's performed this well, I can't blame you for that. But the fact that his swinging strike is as 
low as it is, it's well below league average. He pitches more so to contact. He pitches in a hitter's ballpark in Philadelphia. And we're seeing everyone get blown up in baseball right now. And the weather is starting to heat up a little bit more. I think he's going to start to give up some more home runs, especially pitching in Philadelphia. I just realized, Frankie, we got sucked in yesterday. We were suckers. We got suckered? Yeah. Why is that? We saw Houston at plus money. And we're just like, <laughs> idiots. Yeah, against Luis Castillo. And we did it. Let's talk about Luis Castillo, Greg. Shall we? Six innings, two hits, two runs, six walks yesterday. Yeah. Seven strikeouts. Houston could not make those walks pay off. And I'm wondering, is some offense going to make that hurt uh, Luis Castillo? If Houston's can't. And, and, and that's what the, the conclusion that I came to, too. He right. has, he's allowed at least four walks in three of his last four starts, Greg. So that, that number tells you, oh, that's not good, right? He hasn't allowed more than two earned, in, two earned runs in any of those starts. So, so what, is his, what is his strand rate on the year? Do you have that up? I can look it up. I, I don't have it up in front of me, but the rest of his numbers are really good this year. The fact that he's using his changeup more again, uh, his swinging strike rate is massive. It's up What would you year. guess his strand rate is to have it? I would say it's 82%. 85%. So it's high, but what does he have? Like a low 2 ERA? ERA at 2.26. XFIP sits at 3.65. Still pretty good. Yeah, but even if he even if he goes up to a low 3 yeah, to mid 3 ERA, perfectly fine with that. Absolutely. We'll take a break. More Trade Tuesday next. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. The morning after. You got AD and LeBron and they're booking parades already in Los Angeles again. The Lakers ain't winning, Jack, guys. You don't win with stars. You need a team. I don't care what league it is. Look at the Patriots. Where are the Patriots stars? They don't have any stars. Don't win the offseason. They off don't season. want any stars. <laughs> and they don't want to win the offseason. Belichick's like, I'm not too. signing this guy. What are you on, crack? Weekdays, 9 a.m. Eastern on FNTSY Radio and on your popular podcast providers. Money Now 100 is not a lender, broker, or agent of any lender or financial advisor. We do not make loans or credit decisions. You must be 18 years or older and a U.S. resident to qualify. This is not an offer or solicitation to lend. I went to MoneyNow100.com and got the $5,000 I needed deposited in my account the next business day. If you need money for any reason, help is here. Go to MoneyNow100.com and get the money you need. Need to pay off credit card debt? Go to MoneyNow100.com. Need your car? repaired need home improvement money visit moneynow100.com if you need fast cash for any reason go to moneynow100.com good bad or no credit at all go to moneynow100.com you could get up to five thousand dollars as soon as the next business day go to moneynow100.com on your phone tablet or computer type in the address bar moneynow100.com that's moneynow the number 100.com Just, uh, I watched last night's Blue Jays game. The Blue Jays got clobbered by the Angels. We'll get into that in one second. But David Phelps pitched for the first time in 656 days. He wow. had, remember, he had Tommy John surgery. 
Um, and then, I guess, struggled coming back from that and had another major surgery. And it was 21 months uh, since he pitched. And he's very emotional after getting the three outs uh, last night against the Angels. And it was good. It was nice to see him back on the mound. I've always liked David Phelps. I always thought uh, he was a talented pitcher. And I feel good for him. So, good stuff. That was cool. Actually, I didn't get to see that, but... It it is it is cool to hear when you know guys work back from that type of injury or that many injuries get back on the mound. He threw a scoreless inning, one walk, one strikeout. So good for David Phelps. Absolutely. Now let's get into that uh, that Angels game where they defeated Toronto ten to five. It was the return of Justin Upton, and what a return it was in his first at bat of the game. First pitch that he saw. First pitch in his first at bat of the season. He hits a home run, one of several home runs on the night for the Angels as Mike Trout went deep for the 20th time this year. Cole Calhoun went deep for the 15th time this year. And Shohei Otani continues to just rake right now as he homered for the ninth time this year in the big win for the Angels. Felix Pena was not good despite getting the win. Six innings, four runs for him, three walks, five strikeouts. Uh, the Blue Jays continue to roll out Edwin Jackson, and it continues to go poorly. Uh, seven runs allowed by Big Ed last night. Well, it doesn't go poorly if you have bats going against Edwin Jackson, so I would advocate for the Blue Jays to keep Edwin Jackson in your rotation as long as you possibly can. It was the first pitch Justin Upton saw this season. He goes deep. He goes two for four in this game. Also has a walk. And I'm hoping that Justin Upton could just stay healthy here because this could be a nice little power supply for fantasy owners for the rest of the season here. He's been, you know, around anywhere from a 250 to 270 batting average the past couple of seasons, but he's been a lock for 30 home runs. From 2016 to 2018, he's given you 31, 35, and 30 home runs. So from here on out, if you get anywhere from 15 to 20 home runs with a batting average that doesn't completely kill you, I think that would be a fair assessment when it comes to Justin Upton. Greggy. And shout out to Ricky Sanders yesterday. We had him on the yeah, fan. Yeah, absolutely. Up. He was crushed it. All over Mike Trout, which that's fine. Everyone's all over Mike Trout. But he also liked Shohei Otani. Yeah. He liked the Angels stack here against Edwin Jackson and the Blue Jays. So shout out to Ricky Sanders there. Otani just on an absolute tear. tear. I benched him in one of my home leagues. And you're, and you're like, what? Why would you do that? Well, yeah. he has three games later on in the week in St. Louis. So I don't know how he's going to get in the lineup he there. Pinch it. Yeah, because he'll be a pinch hitter. They don't have the designated hitter because of the National League ballpark. He's not going to play the outfield. He's not going to play first base. So uh, outside of a few pinch hit appearances, uh, that's why I benched him in weekly leagues. In the NFBC, you could set your hitter lineups on Monday and Friday. So I was able to keep him in here for the early part of the week and get that home run in. But yeah. In, in weekly leagues, I would have benched him because of the National League Park later on in the week. Shohei Otani's been absolutely fantastic as of late, and it took him a little while, I think, to get back in the swing of things. He was coming off major surgery, and listen, he struggled on the outset. That happens. No or, no worries. Ultimately, uh, great stuff from Shohei Otani. A really good hitter, and he got the average for Otani up to 283 now with an OBP up to 353. Hopefully, as a pitcher next year, he comes back and is just as good. Other side, Kevon Biggio hit two home runs last night in the fifth inning and then in the eighth inning later on. Biggio's out there in leagues, Frank. Um, only batting 233 on the year. OBP much better at 378, striking out quite a bit. Uh, what have you thought of Kevon Biggio thus far? It's definitely been a mixed bag. I looked into this before the show. First 14 games, he was 6 for 52. That's a 146 batting average. One home run, 21% walk rate, 27% strikeout rate in his first 14 games. Now over his last five games, starting to heat up. 421 batting average, a 500 OBP, OPS over 1,100. Super small sample size, only five games again. But four home runs, seven runs scored, seven ribbies, 13% walk rate, 
31% strikeout rate. He is someone that's going to struggle with strikeouts, so the batting average could be a little bit of a liability here. He could be, you know, a 250, 240, 250, maybe somewhere in that range batting average. With the OBP being much better, he has some pop. He's hit towards the top of the Blue Jays lineup, so he could score some runs. I think if he was dropped in your league, especially if you play in an OBP, you know, head-to-head categories league or an OBP roto or even a points league, the strikeouts are going to hurt in a points league, but the walks are going to help that. And he does have a little bit of pop, and he hits towards the top of the lineup. He was batting second yesterday with Vladimir Guerrero Jr. batting third. So it's been a mixed bag, but overall, if he was dropped in your league, he's someone that I would look to add. He was actually dropped in one of uh, one of my home leagues over the weekend by Michael Florio. So I, I'm going to be looking to add him and get him on my team. I go back to the question I had last week, Ivan Biggio or Cesar Hernandez? It's obviously in my team. Yeah, I think it's uh, I think it's getting a little bit closer now because we've obviously uh, had these last five games. Hernandez so, been ho- hit a home run over the weekend. Yeah, we we do have these five games for Biggio. Uh, do you play? What is your format? Is it OBP? It's OBP. It's OBP. Right? Yeah. Um, you know, given that if Cesar Hernandez is not back towards the top of the lineup, that is a that is a move that I would look to make to get Kavon Biggio on my team. Again, the batting average won't be great, but the OBP will be. I think fine. I think it'll be adequate. I think it'll be somewhere in the, you know, 340 plus range for his OBP. And he's got a little bit of pop and he's going to score some runs at the top of that lineup, Grady. So I think we're getting a little bit closer there where the next couple of days, if Cesar Hernandez is not leading off, I'm all right making that swap for Biggio. Okay, fair enough. Uh, Let me move on. I want to get to the Indians in Texas because one of the names a lot of people are speaking about this morning, Frank, are Oscar Mercado, who went one for four, hit his uh, fourth, excuse me, home run on the season. He now has four home runs to go along with four steals. He's batting over 300. He's uh, hitting the two-hole recently, OBP up to 355. The Indians lost his one seven to two as Lance Lynn was once again fantastic, going seven innings, allowing six hits, one run, nine Ks. I want to talk about his trade value in a moment. And Mike Clevenger uh, makes... His return, four and two-thirds, three hits, five runs, walk three. He struck out seven. 91 pitches uh, in this one here for Clev going into the fifth. A lot to take away uh, in this game in Arlington. Yeah, so let me start off with Oscar Mercado. Remember when we had Fabageddon Fabuloso, as Greg Sussman likes to call it? Oscar Mercado was often ranked as the lowest prospect of that group. We had Austin Riley. We had Brendan Rodgers. We had Nicky Lopez, Willie Calhoun and Oscar Mercado. Oscar Mercado has far and away been the second best player of that group behind Austin Riley. For obvious reasons, Austin Riley has been a complete monster. But so has Oscar Mercado, and it doesn't look like he's going to slow down anytime soon. He's been a shot in the arm for the Cleveland Indians. They needed that. A 45% hard hit rate for Oscar Mercado, 24% line drive rate, 41% ground balls, 34.6% fly ball rate. Everything looks doable. His 19.6% strikeout rate is below league average, which is a good thing. He's got a 355 Babbitt. Given as fast as he is and how hard he's hitting the ball, that seems sustainable. The 355 Babbitt. I will say he would he struck out a little bit more in the minor leagues and wasn't known for the batting average as much. But if he's hitting the ball as hard as he is and his strikeout rate is below league average, then the Babbitt seems like it's going to be sustainable. He's got a 304 batting average, four home runs, 22 runs scored, four stolen bases. He's been the second best player of that group. I will mention also in this game, Willie Calhoun did return from injury. So if he's out there, he should be added once again. But I'd rather own Oscar Mercado right now than Willie Calhoun. And I don't think that that's crazy to say. He gives you a little bit of power speed combination. He doesn't strike out, gives you good batting average. 
He's betting second right behind Francisco Lindor, ahead of guys like Carlos Santana. So he's in a good spot in the lineup. I don't think that's crazy to say. Oscar Mercado is getting a lot of attention, and rightfully so. Greggy, where do you want to jump to next? Because there's a lot. There's Clevenger, there's Lance Lynn, there's Willie Calhoun. Where, where do you want to go to next? Well, I, you mentioned Willie Calhoun, so I yeah. think it makes sense to, to go there next. As Calhoun made his return uh, for the Rangers last night, and Calhoun uh, getting the start, and the good news is when Joey Gallo comes back, Hunter Pence just went on the IL, so the playing time is going to be there for Willie Calhoun, which I know I was a little bit nervous about as a Calhoun owner. He went over three, did score a run, did walk, so he got on base, which was good, and I'm excited because I think think he's going to continue to play every day. While Oscar Mercado has performed over the last month, while Calhoun has been out, and I don't disagree with you, you probably want to own Mercado over Calhoun, I'm still very intrigued by Willie Calhoun. Yeah, and Oscar Mercado is 26% owned in Yahoo. I just looked up the ownership percentage. Willie Calhoun only 13%. So in the pit league, I saw that last night. He was available. I went out and picked him up. You know that I'm a huge Willie Calhoun yeah. fan. This is He's a pure hitter. You know, going back to what we were saying about him, Earlier on, during you know the Fabageddon, the Fabuloso, whatever you want to call it, when we had all these prospects come up together, Willie Calhoun is a pure hitter. Look at his minor league numbers. Consistently over 300 batting average. He can hit for power as well. He holds his own against lefties. Good ballpark in Texas. I really, really like him. Me saying that I would rather have Mercado over Willie Calhoun is not a knock on Willie Calhoun. It's just... That's how good Oscar Mercado has been. But I would try to have both of these guys on my team, if humanly possible. Or if Mercado's owned, I would try and add Willie Calhoun right now. I agree with you, Greg. I think the, the playing time's going to be there. He was batting fifth last night in a really good lineup, in a really good ballpark. I would try my best to get Willie Calhoun on my team if he were available, Greg. All right, Willie Calhoun, somebody that we have both been high on in the past. And I, I killed you for it, obviously, last year. And then this year, I didn't jump on board. He's Performed really, really well before winning on going on the IL. I jumped in. I own Willie Calhoun. I'm waiting for that success to continue. Frankie, the starter for Cleveland, Mike Clevenger, also made his return last night. And the um, the owners that are getting Clev back, what should they expect in the near term and the future? Long term, I guess. I think what we saw earlier on in the season is a glimpse of the upside of what Mike Clevenger can give you. Is that something that I would expect start in and start out? Probably not. I would expect personally anywhere from a 3-5, a mid-3s ERA, a strikeout per inning, a, a, a solid whip as well, maybe in like the 1-2, 1-2-5 range because he does have issues with walks at times, but a top 20-ish starting pitcher, maybe top 25-ish starting pitcher. That's what I would expect from Clevenger moving forward. But if you were watching the start yesterday, uh, he was cruising early, early on, and then he had to run to get to first base, to cover first base on a ground ball, and he tripped coming off the mound, and he actually sprained his ankle. I thought there's no way he's coming back. I, I thought he's leaving the game. He was down on the ground, and he was writhing in pain. They left him in. So maybe that's part of why he didn't perform well here, but four and a two, two-thirds innings pitch, three hits. He did allow a home run, five earned runs, three walks, seven strikeouts. So like I said... A guy who's going to give you strikeouts can struggle with walks at times, but earlier on in the season, we saw elite swing and miss stuff and elite strikeout potential, and I think that's what you can get from Mike Clevenger. I looked at his pitch usage in this start. Uh, seemed pretty normal. The velocity seemed normal as well. He was at 96 miles per hour for the fastball. I think he's going to be fine. I just think you know maybe him falling off the mound and hurting his ankle early on might have affected him in the start. It was his first start. You shake some rust off. And it's a tough place to pitch in Texas. So 
I give Mike Clevenger the benefit of the doubt here, Greg. Are you buying Mike Clevenger right now? Trade market is is ramping up. You are a fan. You're you're looking to buy a pitcher. Obviously, we're all trying to improve our pitching. You buying Clev? Depends on the price. I, I would imagine most people who held on to him this long, Greg, they know what they have in Mike Clevenger, and they expect him to pitch like a top 25, maybe top 20 starting pitcher. But if you can find an owner who is scared about re-injury and saw the start yesterday and you know is a little bit worried about Mike Clevenger, then yeah, I would try to get in on him. But I would imagine that most people who were waiting on Mike Clevenger know how good he is, and they're going to ask for a top 20, top 25-ish starting pitcher in return. And that kind of seems like a lateral move. So uh, if you can find someone who's worried, then yes. But if you're just trading a top 20 starting pitcher for another top 20 starting pitcher in Clevenger, seems like a lateral move, Greg. Zach Wheeler for Mike Clevenger. I would rather have Clevenger. Okay. Yep. Okay. If you can make that happen, but I, I doubt you can. Z- really? Yeah, because I, again, I think I the person really who struggled. held on to Clevenger yeah, excited is to get him back. not going to be willing yeah. to just trade him away right away for someone who, frankly, is struggling. Fair enough. Okay, on the other side, one player that's not struggling... It's Lance Lynn. As Lance Lynn, I mentioned before, only one run allowed, nine strikeouts in his seven innings of work, eight and four in the year. ERA drops to 4.16. I know it gets nice and hot in Arlington, so you're a little bit nervous of the ball flying out of there. But Lance Lynn's done a nice job this year. Not nervous, man. Not nervous. Really? Lance Lynn is the truth. He's going through a transformation. 2019, not the year of our Lord, Greg. 2019, the year of Lance Lynn. And I never thought that I would say that in the year 2019, but... Lance Lynn has been ridiculous. He's given eight straight quality starts, Greg. During that span, a 2.92 ERA, 3.03 XFIP, over 11 Ks per nine, 1.38 walks per nine, 66 strikeouts, and 52 and a third innings pitched. And the biggest difference for him is that he's using this slider cutter more this year. And we heard Matt Modica talk about it a little bit yesterday, and he's tweeted about Lance Lynn. Make sure you follow Matt on Twitter, at CTM Baseball. Always tweeting out some great stuff. But Lance Lynn has cut down his fastball usage, Greg. Normally in years past, Lance Lynn was a 80-plus percent usage on his fastball pitcher. Now, he does throw, like, three different fastballs. He throws, like, a four-seamer, a two-seamer, maybe a sinker as well. But he has improved his slider usage and has decreased his fastball usage, and he has just been phenomenal. Like, after looking over those Last eight starts where he's giving you a quality start in each of them. I'm a believer in Lance Lynn, man. The swinging strikes are there. The strikeouts are there. He's limiting the walks. He's not giving up a ton of home runs. He's going deep into games. He's been a godsend for the Texas Rangers. And, you know, normally you're right, Greg. We're scared off Texas and and pitching in Arlington, but... It's not just him. It's it's Mike Miner's pitching there as well. Absolutely. Adrian Sampson is pitching there as well. Absolutely. I don't know what's going on. You know, right. Chris Woodward, the new manager there, they're figuring out how to make things work and how to get good pitching performance. Could you out of rank these guys. the Rangers pitchers for me going forward and how you want to own them? Lance Lynn is number one. Over Mike Miner. Lance Lynn is wow. over Mike Miner. But I, Mike Miner is number two. Uh, who else are we talking about there? I was outside just of Adrian Sampson. Adrian Sampson. Yeah, I mean, he would be a clear number three for me. Is there anyone that I'm missing when it comes to Texas Rangers pitching staff? Pulling up their uh, roster resource, they have Ariel. Jurado, I'm out. Who is their fourth starting pitcher? I actually kind of like him this week as a stream because he's going up against the White Sox. But no, Brett Anderson tonight, baby. Brett Anderson, that's your guy. That's my kind of. Guy. <laughs> I, I would rank it Lance Lynn and then Mike Miner, but I do like both guys. But Greg, it's hard to argue with what Lance Lynn has done over these past two months. He's gone through a transformation using that slider more. I'm 100 percent in on Lance Lynn. If you pick this guy up, 
you might have yourself a top 30 starting pitcher, maybe even top 25. You might legitimately be in SP3 rest of season. Lance Lynn has been awesome. You're really buying Lance I'm, Lynn here. I'm in, man. Would you trade away Zach Lear for Lance Lynn? It's a fair question, man. You told me you're all in. Number uh, three starter. Uh, the ah. silence is deafening. Silence is deafening. It really is. Um, I, <laughs> I don't know, man. Honestly, that's my answer. I, what about you? What do you think? I just read out the numbers. Eight trade quality starts for, for Lance Lynn. Unbelievable. It's hard to argue with it. Like, he's going through a stretch right now. He's never gone through it before, ever, he, right? He's, got, he's going through a stretch right now that we're saying Zach Wheeler could eventually go through. Like, that is what Lance Lynn is but doing But can't right Lance Lynn, like... But you have to look it. rest of season, right? Correct. Do we expect Lance Lynn to keep these numbers up rest of season? And I err on the side of, I trust it. There's, there's, no, there's no underlying numbers that say that He's been really lucky throughout this eight-game stretch at all. for Lance Lynn. Not at all. But the question is, can he keep up what he's doing? Yes, these past eight starts have been great, but can he keep it up? I don't see anything that says why he can't. If you're frustrated with Zach Wheeler and you want someone who is producing right now, then yeah, you can make and this And I move. think that's something you could do, because people are going to buy into Wheeler and not so I much I think that you could trade Zach Wheeler maybe for Lance Lynn Plus, because Lance Lynn owners might not buy it. Me personally, I don't think that I would do. More from last night and who to trade for and who not to. Next. I had great results. I lost 70 pounds. I weighed 265 and went down to 195. My doctor told me, if it works for you, then do it. But a lot of people say to me, how did you lose the weight? I said, I take Andro 400 every day. I'm going to take it forever. That was Walt talking about Andro 400. Now listen to what Bob has to say. When you listen to your radio commercials, you say that's not possible. But since I've experienced it, your commercials aren't strong enough. I am 76 and I've had a belly for way too long. My whole body is shrinking. My energy level has gone up. And the only thing difference is Andro 400. It's great stuff. I tried other products and nothing happened. Guys, if you'd like to lose stubborn belly fat, gain energy, and feel years younger, try Andro 400, the safe, natural, and affordable way to boost your testosterone. Go to to andro400.com or call 888-400-0435 888-400-0435 andro400.com let dailyrodo.com guide you to victory as you swing for the fences playing daily fantasy baseball become the eighth daily roto lineup optimizer to win one million dollars in a fan duel or DraftKings tournament or become part of the growing community who have won thousands of dollars if you're playing mlb dfs and not using dailyrodo.com you're doing it wrong enter promo code fntsy for a 10 percent discount the 2019 MLB Daily Roto Premium Package at DailyRoto.com. Use the promo code FNTSY and get your 10% discount today. Can't get enough fantasy football? Roto Experts has launched their NFL 365 Fantasy Football Package, which includes the best math-based seasonal projections and rankings available anywhere on the internet. Davis Maddock and the Roto Experts are providing dynasty season-long betting, best ball, and NFL draft content every day of the year to give you an edge regardless of what type of fantasy football you play. Save 10% at rotoexperts.com with the promo code FNTSY. It's the NFL 365 Fantasy Football Package only at rotoexperts.com. Welcome back to the Fantasy Best Friends Forever. Frank Sample alongside Greg Sussman. 
If you're serious about fantasy football, it's never too early to start prepping for the 2019 season, and Roto Experts has you covered with their NFL 365 Fantasy Football Package, including the best math-based seasonal projections and rankings available anywhere on the internet. Davis Maddock and the Roto Experts are providing dynasty season-long betting, best ball, and NFL draft content every day of the year to give you an edge, regardless of what type of fantasy football you play. Save 10% at rotoexperts.com with the promo code FNTSY. That's 10% off with promo code FNTSY. The NFL 365 Fantasy Football Package, only at rotoexperts.com. And I see a few people in the chat asking us, well, when is your fantasy football content going to start here on the BFFs? Don't worry. It's coming soon. It's coming soon. I would imagine July, we're going to start to ramp this up a little bit. July 4th is usually the official, unofficial kickoff of the fantasy football season. Buddy, Fantasy Taz, Jim Day in the chat as well. We're going to have to get him on the BFFs as well, Greggy, because there, some, fantasy football is coming soon, buddy. Yeah, fantasy football is coming soon. It's coming to the network even sooner than that. Stay aware. You know, with us, things change on a dime here. Especially you, Jim Day. Be aware. Things are coming extremely, extremely soon. And listen, we, we've said July 1st, July 4th a lot to each other. Uh, that's very, very close. That's two weeks away. Uh, it's two weeks from Thursday. Is July 4th. It may come even sooner. You know, you know who knows? As things constantly evolve and constantly change, we're sticking to baseball for this one second, but we can start football as soon as next week for all we know. So, it's coming. Yeah, and it makes sense, too, because a lot of people are doing best ball drafts. I know you, Jim, you Jim's been doing best ball drafts since January 1st, it feels like. So, He's been doing best ball drafts since the day after the season ended. Yeah. yeah. So, basically, uh, a lot of people have already been jumping in on best ball drafts, and, and it's a good way to... Dip your toes in, see where players are going, see what's going on with ADP right now. So, you know, whether it's on the draft app, whether it's on my fantasy league, whether it's on uh, NFFC, you should jump into some best ball drafts now so you can uh, see what's going on a little bit. And they have ones that are super cheap, a dollar, five dollars, ten dollars. So you don't have to break the bank to kind of see what's going on in fantasy football. You could just kind of five dollar draft here and there. I, as soon as I every one of my drafts ends, Greg, I'm starting up a new one just so I can. You know, see where players are going, see how they're being affected by the latest reports, so on and so forth. But we we hear you, we see you, we know fantasy football is coming soon, and uh, we'll jump in soon. Greg, people were also asking us about the NBA draft. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we should do an NBA mock draft. Maybe we can do something like that before Thursday. I'm not sure if that happens, but we will have NBA draft coverage here. You want your NBA coverage? We'll have the NBA Twitch show live on Thursday. Tune into Twitch, 5 p.m. Eastern. I believe we'll have an NBA alumni here for that, which will be really, really cool. I should do some work for that later today. Um, we have an NBA alumni here for that. We'll preview the draft. We'll talk a little bit about the Anthony Davis trade. And then Thursday, 7 p.m. Eastern, Frank, Royce, King, and myself will have coverage of the NBA draft live from the restaurant. If you're in New York, come hang out with us. I'll be on all throughout the draft, 7 to 11. Going through all the picks, talking about what's going on in the NBA. It should be an absolute blast. Live uh, from Verza Thursday night. So we have a lot of NBA coverage uh, coming for you this week. We mentioned Mike Clevenger before. Mm -hmm. Would you rather have Mike Soroka or Mike Clevenger? I would take Clevenger. It's close. Uh, in a dynasty or keeper league, I would go with Soroka. But in a redraft, I would go with... Actually, I don't know if that's a slam dunk either. It's actually really close, dynasty and keeper. It's, it is close. It is close uh, long-term for these guys. I think Clevenger has a little bit more upside. What he's actually older than people realize, he's like... I believe he's like 27, 28 when it comes to Clevenger. So he's not as young as people realize. It seems like he's just come up, you know, the past couple of seasons and has taken the league by storm here. But 
Uh, for redraft this year, I would take Clevenger. I know that there's injury risk with him, but I also think that there is a little bit of, not shutdown risk with Soroka, but we can see a situation like what happened with Chris Paddock. Does he get sent down for a little bit? He did have issues with his shoulder all of last season, which lim- limited his innings, and he even had issues with that shoulder heading into spring training this year. Soroka has been a godsend. I love Mike Soroka for fantasy baseball purposes, but I think you do have to have some question marks when it comes to his longevity for this season in redraft uh, in terms of, you know, is he going to get shut down? Is he going to have a minor league stint? Is he going to have some phantom IL stints? So I do have those questions, Greg. I would take Clevenger over Mike Soroka, but it is close. Okay, fair enough. Mike Mike Clevenger, Mike Soroka, both young starters that are improving. I think in the Dynasty League, I would take Soroka. He's just yeah. younger. So yeah, he said, is younger. Clevenger is surprisingly older than we realized. Kind of like Corey Kluber, actually, uh, in a way, when he came up for this yeah. team. People might be... I'm happy you brought up Soroka, Greg, because people might be worrying a little bit about him. He's got a 4.21 ERA in the month of June. He had six innings pitched, three earned runs, only two strikeouts yesterday against the New York Mets. But I will have you know this, Greg. The skills in the month of June are still really, really good when it comes to Soroka. 11.2% swinging strike rate, 70.9% first pitch strike percentage, which is something that he prides himself in, not walking a lot of guys, getting ahead of the count. He is doing that tremendously in the month of June. A 40% chase rate, that's the outside swing percentage. Um, That's a massive amount because league average is right around 31-32%, so that's up 56% ground ball rate, not walking anyone, and a 3.45 xFIP. So, if anyone's worrying about Soroka in the month of June, the skills are still really good, Greg. Absolutely. I'm not worried, really, uh, about Mike Soroka all that much. Let me get now to... Where do I want to go next? Let me go to the Dodgers and Kenta Maeda. Uh, Kenta Maeda, last night for LA, lost to the Giants 3-2. to two. It was Maeda going just five innings, four strikeouts, two runs, three hits. Nice nice start, right? the best start of his career. Uh, by Tyler Beatty, six innings, three hits, one run. He walked five but struck out seven on the night. The Giants were able to get to uh, Maeda uh, enough. Um, Max Muncy hit hit a home run last night. For Muncy, it was the 17th homer of the year. But I bring this up because Justin Turner did not start. He went 0-1, for he pinch hit. He's got a lot of days of rest this year. He's an older guy. He's like 35 years old, something along those lines. Uh, At this point in his career, he is 34 years old. He'll be 35 in November. Justin Turner, still batting 300. OBP at 386. And I know he went through that stretch where he had a home run like every day. But since then, he only has one home run. He has seven home runs now on the season. He's still really good. But good enough that you're going out and, and trading him, trading him or trading for him, or someone you're just like, I like what I have. I'm content. Yeah, so I had two possible trade targets in mind before the show, Greg, and Zach Eflin was one of them in terms of selling him away, and then buying was Justin Turner for me. And I hear what you're saying about, you know, he's a little bit older now, he doesn't, he gets a few more days off here than you'd like, he's 34 years old, and maybe that makes him better for Roto Leagues, it's going to be like the sum of his parts, what he provides rest of season, but... He's, he actually has the 12th highest difference in baseball between his slugging percentage and expected slugging percentage. This year, he's slugging 437. His expected slugging is 528. He's got a 50.8% hard contact rate this year. Exit velocity is up. His launch angle is slightly down from last year. Still batting 301. Still doesn't strike out all that much. Still has a 9% walk rate. Um, I would like to see more fly balls, but the fact that he's hitting the ball as hard as he is... And you see that difference in his slugging versus his expected slugging. 
I think that we could be in for a big second half of the season, especially in this Dodgers lineup, Greg. So, you know, I, I've been looking for a third baseman in one of my leagues. Uh, you know, I picked up Kyle Seager. I spoke about that last week. I dropped Michael Chavis, picked him back up. I think Justin Turner is a player that I'm actually going to look into trying to acquire because it seems like his power numbers, he only has seven home runs in the year, should be better than where they're currently at. So I agree. Justin we, Turner's a buy for me. We've said that a lot, that his power numbers should be better than they are. I wonder, um, I know he's had wrist problems in the past, if that's bothering him getting it out. I know the hard hit numbers are fantastic, and the, high, the home run to fly ball ratio says, hey, more home runs are coming, just have not seen that yet. I love Justin Turner. I think he's one of the best pure hitters in the game, and I'm confident in him being good the rest of the way. I don't know where the power will be, though. Like, will he go on one of these like monster Edwin Encarnacion like, binges? I don't know. Probably not. I don't see that. Because even in years past, I mean, you take the injuries into account. Like, he did have a 27 home run season back in 2016, but that seems like the outlier for him. That was the highest home run to fly ball ratio of his career. But the bat has him for a 298 batting average and 14 home runs the rest of the way, 50 RBIs. So if you can get that out of him, that's, that's pretty good. 298, 892 OPS, 14 home runs. Derek Hardy and the bat projections expect that from him uh, the rest of the season. So if you could get numbers like that, then that would that would be that would consider him a good buy low candidate right now because you're looking at you know 301, seven homers, 28 RBIs to this point. It seems like he has underperformed a little bit in the power department. Last night at home, the San Diego Padres continue their torrid stretch here. They. Get a win at home against Milwaukee's Joey Lucchese goes seven shutout innings, five strikeouts, walk three, allowed three hits. Kirby Yates, 25th save of the season. Yulise Chassin allowed two runs in four and two thirds, uh, seven strikeouts for Chassin for the Brew Crew. Now, San Diego. Uh, one, two in a row, while Milwaukee still sits in first in the NL Central. Only a half game up, though, on the Chicago Cubs. Padres 12 games back of the incredible uh, Los Angeles Dodgers. Joey Lucchese, ERA sits at 3.74. Is he someone you're buying, Frank, for the second half? I think that his underlying numbers are a little bit better than where he's been. I would expect any, probably somewhere in the high threes, maybe a low four ERA range. I think he's going to be a little bit frustrating at times. Kind of like what I said about Tanaka. He doesn't have the same upside as Tanaka. No. So much is dependent on when he has that change curveball pitch. They actually call it like a churve during the broadcast. It's a really, really unique pitch. He's basically a two-pitch pitcher. He throws a fastball that's like low 90s, but he also throws this like hybrid change-up curveball. If that pitch is working for him, he can be really good. But like Tanaka and like some of the, you know so many other starting pitchers in baseball, if he doesn't have that one pitch working for him on any given night, then he's just not going to have it overall, and he's going to be frustrating for fantasy purposes. But when it's on, he can be really good, and we saw that last night against a really good lineup, a really good Brewers lineup. He goes seven shutout innings, three hits, three walks, five strikeouts, with 14 swinging strikes. He threw that curve pitch, change-up curveball pitch, 34 times. He had nine swinging strikes on that pitch alone, so... When that pitch is going well, he can be really good, but I think that we're going to get some inconsistent days from Joey Lucchese. He's a back-end-of-your fantasy rotation, SP5, SP6. Mm-hmm. You can stream him in the right matchups. You can use him in a two-star week. You know, he pitches in the NL West, so yeah, I'll get him in there against the Giants. He pitched last week against the Giants. Should have been better, but his defense let him down. Uh, but overall, I think we're we're probably going to get some inconsistent production from Joey Lucchese, Greg. A couple of small notes here before we wrap up and get to our fantasy best bets forever. Uh, Rossell Iglesias put out a fire in the 8th for the Reds. In the ninth, 
He got pulled in the middle of the fire. Michael Lorenzen came in and picked up a save. I believe it was the third or fourth save of the year for Lorenzen. Speaking of players getting saved, Ryan Brazier off the bereavement list, which he's been on for a week. He picked up a save as well for the Red Sox. I know a lot of the relievers were burned or not available last night. So Brazier finally gets another save. Um, Jose Barrios versus Rick Porcello in that uh, Red Sox game was fantastic. Both these guys uh, were amazing in their seven innings of work, and it was a really nice one uh, out there in Boston. Good pitching performance. Yeah, Jose Barrios had a, a couple of hiccups over the past month or so where, you know, two, three-star stretch where he started to regress a little bit, but now he's also uh, gone back the other way. His last two or three starts, he's been really, really good again, obviously against the Boston Red Sox last night. Really good lineup that he went up against, and he goes eight innings, one earned run, zero walks to 10 strikeouts. Jose Barrios was awesome. Rick Porcello, also really good on the other side there. He outdueled him, seven shutout innings, eight strikeouts, and since April 20th, Rick Porcello has a 3.30 ERA. He also has a 4.72 XFIP during that time, so he's gotten a little bit lucky, but that's closer to the pitcher that we expect Rick Porcello to be, someone that could go deep into games, give you quality starts, you know, anywhere from a mid-threes to a high-threes ERA, maybe even low-fours when it comes to Rick Porcello. But, yeah, massive role pitcher, pitching yep. performance there. Uh, in deeper leagues, if Ryan Brazier was dropped, like in your 15-team mix, you know, it's just you take a shot at one of these back-end uh, Red Sox relievers. They don't really have a set closer. If you could grab, like, five to ten saves the rest of the way, that's probably what you're looking for when it comes to Ryan Brazier. All right, with that, we're going to sign off at YouTube for today. Coming up next, At the Window with Sean Guastamacchia. Uh, look forward to that. Should be a fun episode of At the Window. So Sean Guastamacchia is up next. We appreciate you watching, and we'll see you tomorrow. Frank, it's time for our best bets forever. Last night, we got suckered into the Astros plus money. They fell ultimately 3-2. Uh, to two. My game that I was confident about got rained out. Philly and Washington. I like the under there. It didn't work out. I also kind of like the Mets. We'll have to move past that nice and quickly. Today, what are you thinking? All right, Greg. I am in a slide right now. By the way, the, the under in that Phillies Nationals game, it's Arietta versus Corbin tonight now. It went down nine and a half. And I, I don't like it anymore. You don't like it anymore? Uh, half a run deters you. Changed everything. Changed everything. All right, Greg. I'm in a slide. I need some help. I'm going to tell you something that I like, and hopefully you give me the reaction that I hope that you give well, me. I, I, ideally, yes. Yes, that, because, you know, you have been much better at this than I have. Uh, I've tried, yeah. Mm -hmm. So what I'm looking at right now yes. is the Rangers and the Indians, Greg. Where am I going with this? I have no idea. Uh, Rangers, Indians. You're probably taking the under. Under 10 and a half. Yeah. That's exactly what probably I'm taking doing. taking the under. Zach Plesak has pitched well for the Indians. Adrian Sampson has pitched well for the Rangers, especially at home in Globe Life Park. Has a 2.70 ERA. I know we just spoke about Oscar Mercado. I'm taking the under, Greg. Which seems like whenever there's a game going on in Texas, could be a huge mistake. But 10 and a half just seems like a lot of runs for two pitchers that are... Not Pitching bad. pretty well. I agree. I think I liked the under last week in the same matchup, I want to say. So, are, do you support this? Decision? I do. I do. All I right. support it. We're going under 10 and a half. All right. There's a, couple of, there's a couple that stand out for me right now. If you want a favorite, uh, one I'm most confident in, it's the Diamondbacks. Merrill Kelly against Antonio Senzatella. Minus 138 are Arizona tonight. But they're at home. Merrill Kelly's been great at home. He's been great as of late. I like the Diamondbacks, and I like Kelly tonight a lot. Minus 138 there uh, for Merrill Kelly. There's a couple of big dogs I really like too, Frank. 
Let me start out uh, with the lesser of the two. Plus 132. It's Detroit Tigers away. It's Danny Norris against Mitch Keller. Mitch Keller hasn't really proved anything. And to be a, a big favorite at home, it's only a home favorite. I like Detroit tonight. Give me the Tigers and Daniel Norris at plus 132. What do you think? But that's not your best bet. Your best bet is Merrill Kelly and the D-backs? Yes. But, like, that's a favorite. I don't know if that counts. Yeah, I like like I said this before. When it comes to money line for the Tigers and the Orioles, it's just so tough because so many things could go wrong. Because outside of Shane Green, the Tigers bullpen is not good. They don't score a lot of runs. I know Mitch Keller hasn't done anything, but you know, Daniel Norris hasn't pitched well recently either. I don't love this one, Greg. All right, you know where I really find like the place to make money. This is crazy. I think it's with the Marlins. I think there's constantly money to be had when you bet on the Marlins. Yeah, this and, one I like more than your previous. And, and tonight, to get the Marlins at plus 182 with my man, not Jimmy Yacobonis, Jimmy Yamamoto <laughs> on the mound. JY, JY. I love the JYs. Jimmy Yamamoto on the mound. I know it's Jack Flaherty. I know it's the Cardinals, but plus 182? I got to take the bet. I like that a little bit more than Daniel Norris. All right, so Yamamoto, Norris, Kelly for me, for Frank. We're going under with Plesak and Samson. It's been a blast. Remember, Sean Guastamacchia and At The Window are up next. For Frank Stample, I am Greg Sussman. Thank you so much for watching and listening to the Best Friends Forever. We'll do it all again tomorrow. We We hope. hope.